Brought to you in part by Duntire, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, phone lines open for the entire first hour. We do have a guest to kick off hour number two, Rick Beardsley, the four-time All-American set to join us at 1 o'clock to talk some SU lacrosse, the Orange, with another one-goal win. 4-0 and now this season in one-goal games, rallying in the final few minutes to get by North Carolina, 13-12 inside the Dome. We'll talk some lacrosse with Rick Beardsley. We certainly have some NBA to get to today. But we begin, Seth, with, with college basketball, and the waiting game continues. We thought we might have an answer by now. We continue to wait on Tyus Battle. He has until Sunday. That's the deadline. Has to inform the NBA by Sunday if he intends to enter the draft or not. You, you and we continue joke. to was, wait. You ruined the joke I was going to make. I was going to say that I, I will know for sure by this time next week what Tyus Battle is doing. But Sources tell us that Tyus Battle will make a decision this week. Uh, yes. He will either go <laughs> to the NBA or he will return to Syracuse for his junior season. Exactly. That's breaking news. Yeah. Should I, should I, breaking news, breaking news, um, the longer this goes, and again, this is just my, my gut, like I don't have any inside information on this. The longer this goes, I think the more and more, I think there's a chance he might come back. Yeah, I've, I've started to think that too. And, and you know what, hearing Donna and, and Mike on with, uh, you know, us or, or Brent Axe last week. Um, I, I get that feeling too, don't you? And and hearing that he can graduate next year if he were to come back, um, you know, and the fact that it didn't come right away, uh, you know, I, I feel like maybe there's something there. Maybe there's some reason that he really wants to come back. There's something that's, you know, nagging at him that, that he wants to stick around. I don't know. Um, I, I still operate under the assumption, as I have the whole entire time, that he is going to leave because... I feel like it is an easier assumption to operate under, you know, given that I don't know. It's an easier assumption to operate that he's going to leave and then be, uh, you know, in a way pleasantly surprised when he comes back rather than assume he's going to come and then just be shocked when he leaves, right? So I I think I I still will go under that assumption until I hear from him. But, yeah, it feels like more and more there's that possibility of him coming back. It's interesting you should say that because I guess that's my point is that, you know, I've been asked a lot about this, you know, I'll run into people in the community and they'll say, so what's Tyus going to do? And I've felt all along that he was probably going to go to the NBA. Uh, and I guess my point is that in over the course of like the last week, week and a half, I'm feeling less and less confident with that answer. Like people are still asking me and I'm still giving my opinion. And I guess at the end of the day, I would say, like, if you ask me right now, say, yeah, there's probably a better than 50% chance that he's going. But the longer this goes on, I'm feeling less and less confident with that answer. And I do think, you know, all things considered, again, when you take into the account that he might be able to, to graduate in three years, I think that that, you know, sure, that's a factor. I think the biggest factor, let's be honest, the biggest factor is is that it feels like he's 
kind of a bubble guy, right? I mean, he's been on a bubble team each exactly. of the last two years, whether or not they were going to make the NCAA tournament. It feels like he's on the bubble, whether or not he's going to be taken in the first round. And again, we know the deal. First round draft picks get guaranteed money. Second round, you got to make the team. You got to, you know, earn that contract. He feels like a bubble guy. He feels like he's right on that edge of late first round, early second round. I, I do think that he would benefit by coming back, but again, there, there's also something to be said for going to the NBA and, and kind of learning on the job in the NBA or the G League or whatever it may be. I do happen to think that if he plays with better players and if the team around him is better, I think he will look better. I, he had a fantastic year, don't get me wrong, but if he's on a team that has five scorers on the floor at all times, he's going to look better because he's not going to have to you know jack up tough shots with two seconds on the shot clock. His field goal percentage is going to come up. He'll have a chance to work on, you know, being a, a more accurate outside shooter. I think that's the one big knock on his game is that, you know, maybe he's not a, you know, he's not Andrew White right now. Maybe he be, right. you know, he can develop into that. Now he can develop into that in the pros as well. But I do think there's benefit to coming back and, and you know, being on a better team, playing with better players, your percentages come up, and then maybe that improves your draft stock next year when, again, the, the, the draft does not look as deep at this point next year as it does right now. Yeah, I think that the biggest uh, the, the biggest benefit to coming back for him was he would be he would become more efficient, right? I think ultimately that's the word that, that we're looking for here. He would become a more efficient player when he comes if he comes back. Because and, and I think we saw this last year, but um, you know, it, you you watch his game, and I think, and, and I said this last week, I think, but I think he fits into the NBA well because while last year he was the star, right, and he was the the guy on this team, he doesn't have to be, and I think that we saw that his freshman year where he can get his points while not being the leading role guy, and and I think that. If he comes back next year and the team is better, right? If O'Shea Brissett improves and, you know, Marek Dolzhai improves and Frank Howard is better and and there's some more talent around him and he is still the guy, right? He's still going to be the team's leading scorer. But at the same time, he's able to shoot a better percentage and he's making some plays and maybe he's doing stuff off the ball a little bit more. I think it shows the NBA guys, hey, this guy can fit in where you could take him 18th, 19th, 25th, whatever it may be. And he doesn't need to be the guy with the ball in his hands who's dominating the game. Like he doesn't have to come in and be the superstar right away. He can he can slide into you know a role or or whatever that may be. And we don't have to guess like what the pieces to the puzzle next year are going to look like. If he comes back, you have your starting five back from this past year, right. and we saw glimpses of Merrick Dolajai starting to develop that fifteen footer. You know he's obviously going to work on it in the offseason. Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe, again, when healthy, they showed that that they could do some things, you know, down low. Barama in particular uh, could be an offensive spark, and, and, and Pascal continued to get better. And then you add Jalen Carey, you add Buddy Bayham, you add some other guys who can score the basketball. It's not going to be two on five or three on five. They are going to have legitimate scorers on the floor. And again, I do think that he will look better. He'll be more efficient. He has a chance to work on his outside shot and maybe a chance to improve his draft stock going into a a weaker draft. At the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not he thinks he can go in the first round this year. I do think he's got an NBA game, whether it's this year or next year. He's got an NBA game. He can score on all three levels. He's got the body for it. He's a bigger guard. Um, I I think he's going to succeed at, at the next level. And, you know, Take that for what it is. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be an all-star, but I think that there is a spot for him in the NBA, and I think he will do well. So whether it's this year or next year, 
to me, it comes down to whether or not he goes in the NBA in the in the you know first round of the NBA draft. And at this point, it feels like he's he's right there on the bubble. So it is a tough decision. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think that there is absolutely a spot for him in the NBA. I think he's an NBA player uh, because of what I outlined. Right, he he can get his points without having to be the star of the focus, and and he'll fit in nicely to to a team that's drafting in the the mid twenties if that's where he goes. The question is. How much better is this year's draft than next year's draft? And does he want to stick around for an extra year to maybe you know, rise five spots, eight spots, ten spots, whatever it may be? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what next year's draft class looks like. You know, I, I just don't. And I think that we say this every year. Um, you know, I, I think that we just uh, it just happens where, especially in basketball, more so than football. But we look at a draft and we're like, oh well, next year's not as good. And then and then and then a bunch of freshmen and then over show the course up. Of a year, and, right, right? Guys and develop, a, and then and a bunch sure. of freshmen come up, and, that's and, a fair and point. they play great. And Trey Young shows up and and starts dropping thirty points a game. And then we're sitting here in June, and we're like, you know what? But maybe they should stay because next year doesn't look as good. Because I remember having the same conversation about Tyler Lydon. No, well, next year's draft isn't as good. Where would Tyler Lydon fit in this year's draft? Uh, you know, pr- ultimately, probably in the same range. So. I'm not sure, honestly, how much worse next year's draft is, and, and maybe that's something to ask, uh, you know, a Jonathan Gavoni or a, a draft person who who really follows this. But I think that that's an interesting aspect. If in fact he would rise just by coming back another year because next year's draft isn't as good, then you do it. Um, on the other hand, I maybe I'm wrong. I think there's a stigma towards upperclassmen. I really do. Yeah. I think that if you come out as a junior, you're old, or you know, maybe you're right. not. You know, well, he must not be that good because yeah, he stayed three exactly. years in college. I think there's some of that. I think there's some of that. I think that there's something where where teams now with this one and done, and and with the, and given the fact that everybody is, you know, the majority of the players who who are coming out are these freshman players, and and the majority of the guys who are picked in the lottery really are these freshmen. The fact that you've got guys staying two and three years, it's not saying they're not good, but I think that there's some something in the back of people people's minds saying, well, if you're an NBA player, why didn't you come out earlier? Right? Like, oh, uh, Jalen Brunson, like, if you're this good, why didn't you come out earlier? And maybe in his case, because he didn't get the minutes. Tyus Battle did get the minutes as a freshman. Tyus Battle did get the minutes this year. So if he were to come out next year, are, are people going to look at him and say, well, why didn't you come well, out last year? I do think part of it, too, is that scouts get enthralled with the potential like this guy's this good now as an 18 year old can you imagine three years from now how good he'll be and if you go to college for three years I think you look at that player and you you say well this is this is kind of what he is like right I mean how much better will he get yeah absolutely there there's obviously potential for a guy who's in college who played three years and goes to the NBA but does he have the same ceiling, I guess, as a kid who's 18 and you're like, well, you know, if we, we coach him up for the next three years, like, can you imagine what he'll be down the road? So I do think there is a certain, you know, you call it a stigma. I think that's I think that's a fair point. Uh, we bring up the fact that he could graduate in three years. We bring up the fact that, you know, Syracuse, if he comes back, would be very good next year, probably a top 15, top 10 team to start the season. Right. Are those going to factor in? Maybe a little bit. I think at the end of the day, it simply comes down to, one, does he think he's going to go in the first round? And two, if he comes back, does he think he can improve his draft stock significantly right. and you know make more money if he comes back next year? Right. Does he think he can improve his draft stock enough to, to make it worthwhile? Right. Because right now he's what? In that twenty-five to thirty-five, twenty-five to forty range, I think it's, yeah. is a fair Late first round, early second round. So, does he think he could get up to the fifteen to twenty-five range? Right, that that next batch of picks right after the lottery. Does he think he can get into that range? 
I, I mean, that's why you would do it, right? That's why you would come back, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, he's not a player who's going to jump into the lottery. I don't think so. Um, but listen, he was a 20-point-a-game scorer this year, played the most minutes of anyone in the country. I think he's got an NBA-ready game. Could he come back and improve his jump shot, per se? Absolutely. You know, his ball handling. Obviously, he can get better in those areas. He could get better at those areas in the pros as well. It, it comes down to, you know, will he improve his draft stock if he comes back? Um, and and that, that's a tough decision. Because if he goes this year and he goes 25th, then nobody's saying it was a mistake. You say, oh, right. okay, well, you know, good luck well, to him. And, and, if, he comes, and, if he comes in, you know, if he goes to the pros and, and goes 40th, you know, then people will question the decision. It's just well, the way it goes. Well, but can we also hold off on that? Because... You know, four years ago when Jeremy Grant left, I think everybody was like, oh, it's a mistake. You went 39th. Look how terrible that is. Well, uh, let's check in July 5th after he signs a massive contract this offseason. Like, let's see let's see how terrible a mistake it was after he signs a massive deal this offseason because of the player that he turned out to be. So Can we say, and, and I hear what you're saying. I'm not saying you know he made I mean? a mistake. Like it a, worked out or, for him. Or even Tyler Ennis. I mean, like, can, can, hang on, hang on. Just in regards to Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Can, can, is it fair to say that he got fortunate because of the team he went to? Maybe. Because and, he went to the Sixers and they had nothing better to do. And they, and they gave him a ton him. of time. Yeah. And he was able to develop on the court and didn't get sent to the G League. My point is this, is that if he went to a team that didn't need him right away and he goes to the G League for two years, are we having the same conversation? I don't know. So Maybe not. Obviously, a part of it and a good part of it is him and the way that he developed and he worked hard. And But also part of it is... He got fortunate where he went, and the situation allowed him to play right away. That's why I like the mock drafts that have Tyus Battle going to the Nets. <laughs> One, because I'm a Nets fan, and I'm like, that would be fun. But also, like, he could play there, right? Like, in, in theory, the Nets are that bad and, and, you know, need players and need good players that he could come in and he could play right away. And, and you're right. Listen, it, it worked out at the end of the day for Jeremy Grant. He... He bet on himself, like that's a that's a Dion line. Like Dion bet on himself he by did. going to it Miami, and it paid off. He he bet on himself and said, you know what? Even if I go in the second round, I'm going to make this work, and he did. Um, I think part of it was he. I don't want to say lucky because that makes it sound like you know it had nothing to do with him. There was some good fortune with the team that he went to, and it, it worked out for him. I well, think in part that well, he got playing time right away. Sure, but. I mean, Michael Carter Williams got the same good, didn't he? He got he yes. got the same situation, and another it didn't work good example. Out. But it but it, it worked won, out for him. Listen, he, he won the Rookie of the Year, but right. what's he doing now? Well, that comes back to you know, it's up to you then to prove yourself. But you're right, Michael Carter Williams was fortunate with where he landed. He got to play a lot right away. He got that guaranteed money. He's done well for himself. Now he's injured, and there's there's some question about you know where he ends up next year, and if that is a, a spot in the NBA, shoot. right? So again, some of it comes down, a big part of it comes down to what you do once you're there. But there is some good fortune and bad fortune, you know, like Malachi getting drafted by the Kings. Like nobody, oh, wants, you knew he was going to fail. Nobody yeah. wants to go to the Kings, right? right? I mean, there's there's some good fortune and bad fortune. Jeremy Grant landed in a great situation for him. You're right, Michael Carter Williams landed in a great situation. And initially, he made that work, and then he goes elsewhere, and, and things haven't gone quite as well for Michael Carter-Williams. Um, so, you're right. Just to say, well, if he doesn't go in the first round, it's not automatically a bad decision. I understand what you're saying, and you are right. I think, personally, Jeremy Grant is the exception to the rule, oh, he and he, he caught he some good fortune is. along the way. Yes. Jeremy Grant is absolutely the exception to the rule. Um, I, I just... 
I like to point that out because I remember sitting here four years ago and, and being up here in Syracuse and, oh, wow, what a terrible decision Jeremy Grant made. He he really should have stuck around. He wasn't ready to go. Oh, wow, look, he, he ended up getting drafted in the second round. He fell. Uh, you know, and I, I'm sure I was guilty of it, too. Like, I, I don't think I thought Jeremy Grant was, quote-unquote, ready to go to the NBA. Um, but you know what? Four years later, it sure looks like he was. Here's the thing about Tyus. Even if Tyus, you know, comes out this year and goes in the second round, I wouldn't bet against him. The kid works harder than anybody I know. And, again, you look at his game. I, I think he's got a game that, that translates well to the NBA. So if he goes 39th, do I expect to see Tyus battle on an NBA roster sometime and sometime soon? I do. So, again, I'm not saying it's it's a wrong decision. He's got a tough decision to make. I, again, I don't think he can go wrong either way. I think he's got a tough—it's a tough call. It, it, it's it's a tough call. He seems like he's right there on the bubble. We should point out here in this first segment, there's been a lot of buzz on, on social media over the course of the last hour. There was a tweet sent out by— all Met Elite. Apparently they cover high school players, college players in the D.C., Baltimore area. And the tweet said this, quote, Source within the inner circle of former Syracuse recruit Darius Baisley confirmed to All Met Elite there is a possibility his G League decision may change. Stay tuned. So, again, throwing that out there for what it's worth, that's that... Uh, that source did go on to say that he doesn't think it affects the Syracuse situation, meaning if he doesn't go to the G League, it be sounds like he would theoretically go overseas, I guess. And again, we're just throwing this out there. There's no you know confirmation independently with us, yeah, we but a lot of people no. have been talking about it on social media that uh, apparently it's not a lock, at least according to this one source, that Darius Baisley ends up in the G League, but it does sound like, again, according to this source, that he's not coming to Syracuse. Your thoughts, Seth, for what it's worth. Enough already, correct? Yeah. I, I'm kind of over I, it. I, I would love to see the reaction if he ends up at another school. He would have to sit out a year, though. I would think he would. He signed a letter of intent. Like, he signed. Nothing changed. He changed. He would have to do something. Yeah. If he if he goes to college, it's here or somewhere, or, or he's sitting out. Or going overseas. Right. So... Uh, anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. A lot of people have been talking about it. We don't have any inside info on that situation. Um, so throwing it out there for what it's worth. 315-437-7644. Got to take our first time out. Full lines are open. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Find us on the web at ESPNSyracuse.com. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. As we established earlier in the show, Max Burgandy out sick today. Paulie Sibilia <laughs> gracing us with his presence. Paulie's trying to correct you on, on every opportunity of that. Max is a drunk. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> According to, to reports. <laughs> yeah, I've, my sources have told me. <laughs> You're going to feel real bad when you find out like why he's actually out today. He's got like pneumonia or something. No, he comes in in a week. I won't feel bad. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. All right. What do you got in today's the business? The Knicks have reportedly reached out to Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Jay Wright, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Mike Woodson, David Fisdale, among others. Who will the Knicks hire? I think they hire Mark Jackson because it's a nostalgia play. I think that he's an okay coach. Jay Wright shouldn't even answer the phone. Uh, I think it's funny that they're calling up Mike Woodson because they fired him two years ago. Uh, I think it's going to be Mark Jackson because 
they're not good, and they want to appeal to those fans who are missing when they were really good, and that's Mark Jackson when he was playing. Why do you say Mark Jackson is an okay head coach? Because he he coached a team that a year later became the greatest team in NBA history and couldn't get out of the first round. And so you look at it as... I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a good coach. Because some would say that they were able to take that next step because he got them ready for that. Like that sure, it was but, there was a falling out between him and the franchise. Yes. And they got rid of him and Steve Kerr came in and it was like a ready made yeah, championship. Are you, are team. you saying Mark Jackson would not have won a championship with this Golden State I team? I, I don't know. I mean that's, that's my, insanity. That is I think my took, point. I think it took the I think it took the moving things around and using Draymond Green and that's playing things the right way. My take on it is it was it was all about timing. He had a falling out he leaves the organization. They push him out. They bring in Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr had a ready-made championship roster. And again, not that it's roll out the balls and whatever. You know, I, I get it pretty it, much it's, is. It's not like with the well, Cavs, right? They have LeBron go win me a title. I can, you know, I can win a title with David Blatt or Tyron Lue. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying that I feel like Mark Jackson, in some circles, gets a bad rap. Like for you to say, "Hey, he's an okay coach," like he did great things with that team. He just. He, they got rid of him a year before it all happened. He was Buck Showalter. Did yeah. a really good job with the Yankees, but then they were like, eh, Is well, Buck Showalter an okay manager? Yeah, he's a good manager. He's a good manager. So they can do worse. Sorry, My Mark, point is, sorry, is they can do Mark worse Jackson than Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson is a good coach, not an okay coach. I, I See, apologize. I, I realize we haven't been working together that long. Are there long? different levels See, here? Like, is, is okay really yes. that much of a disparaging thing to I, say? Let me finish. I know we haven't been working together that long. Again, the, the guy who we just had on, Sal, can tell you this. I hate the word fine. Like, if you say, oh, that's fine. That's subpar to me. Like, I want to be good. Mark Jackson is good. He's so not think, fine. He's not so okay. Fine, he's not subpar. So you think fine and okay are, like, dismissive? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's you know, like, oh, like if Polly came in and said, Seth, do you like this? And you said, eh, it's fine. Okay, I'll leave the <laughs> eh out. If you just said, it's fine, Polly, would you, wouldn't you take that as he didn't really like it? Yeah, it's suitable. Yeah. I want to be better than that. I want to be done. better than fine or okay. It's I par. want to be I want to be good. I want I want birdies. I don't want you, pars. You also said something uh that was strange that Jay Wright shouldn't answer the phone. I don't I don't think I would. If it if it was the Knicks calling me, like it's such a dumpster fire, you would be out in two years and it's yeah, I don't, and you'd end up back in college. Worth it. The paycheck's that worth it? Villanova's not gonna come but close look, to paying him but, what. But here's the thing, they're not hiring him to be the GM president and coach like they like like the Knicks did with I mean, Patino or the, the I mean, Nets you can do a lot cow. of Dove commercials, but I'm guessing the Knicks are going to pay <laughs> a little better than Nova would. They probably will, but I, I don't know that I would. I don't know that that's the job I would answer the phone for. Like, if Charlotte wants to call me, if Orlando wants to call me, if if some other f- team, like if if somebody is upset they underachieved and missed out not on the playoffs the phone this year in the a, West, like I, I it's a hot answer. take. Not answering the phone is a hot. You thing. at least listen. Yeah, is yeah the you're point. going to listen to the name. I can't believe that I'm like agreeing with Paulie on like <laughs> this entire show. Everything Paulie says, yeah, okay, I I'm agree the voice with that. of reason. I mean, apparently, Rob Gronkowski did not report to the beginning of the Patriots offseason program while he's deciding whether to retire or not. Is this a big deal? I don't know what to make of this story. I think he's playing football again. I don't know if it's posturing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he wants rest. He's, isn't he playing football? He's not going to retire to become a movie star. WWE wrestler? Why not? Payday's nice. You don't work as much. He's still got some years left. I realize he's banged up a lot. Is I, this going to be Is this going to be like the Tiki Barber thing where when he's playing, he's a really attractive like piece to be a movie star, and then he retires and it's like, yeah, he's not that good at it? Like when Tiki, Barber was, when Tiki Barber was playing, everybody was like, man, he's got to host the Today Show. And then he retired and was like, yeah, he's not that good. 
He's fine. Yeah. He's okay. He's okay. See, that's my point. You just proved my point for me. Is it is it like the same thing though? Like, hey, Gronk, Gronk could go be Arnold Schwarzenegger and film the reboot of the Terminator and and be this great action hero, and then like he he's or, not a he's not a football freak anymore, yeah. and it's like yeah, he's just kind of a meathead. He's Brian Bosworth. Just, yeah, I, I can see that before happening. my time. Uh, <laughs> now you see what I have to who do. Ca- with who Paul cares and- if he retires? Really. It doesn't matter. They'll yeah, find somebody else. It, is, it has zero effect on anybody if he retires. Yeah, I think the ultimately so, that, that'll impact the Patriots. I mean, that, but that he's will. Been, but he's been hurt and missed yeah, so much time over the but past couple of years. When he's find on the field, else, though, no? he is such a mismatch. And again, just you know, being a fan of a team in that division, that will make a difference. Bartolo Colon flirted with a perfect game last night, throwing seven perfect innings before walking the leadoff man in the eighth and giving up a double to the next batter. How is that humanly possible? I did not I write that question. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's my only question, though. Like, watching that game, I was like, how is this happening? Um, because, Polly, I joked with you about this earlier, but, like, he was out of baseball a decade ago and, like, washed up. Like, he, he was washed up a decade ago. Um, how old I, is he now? 44. Going to yeah, turn 45 next month. He's a year month. younger than He's my age, basically. Yeah. And he's throwing You got a, that in you? No. <laughs> no. I never had it in me. And I, <laughs> I think the amazing part is also like that he did it against that team. He did it against the Houston Astros, who are like arguably the best lineup in baseball, and was throwing eighty nine mile an hour fastballs. He threw twenty six fastballs in a row, in a row. Like you knew what you were getting when you when you went up to the plate for like a solid two innings, and he was able to get everybody out. I, I don't get it. How is that possible? It I just shows you how hard it is to hit a baseball. I think so. Yeah. yeah I think I just, that's more of it than he was. I just, I don't get how that filthy. game happened. I don't get how that game happened. I was watching it and I was just amazed. Um, and I also like Bartolo Colon's transformation from like really good pitcher and Cy Young Award winner to like fat guy and cult hero. That's a fun transformation. Everybody loves him. That happens to a lot of pitchers though. Yeah, but he also got busted for steroids and nobody seems to care. He has two families and nobody seems to care. <laughs> he's, he's a weird guy. And here, here we are once again, Seth. Uh, you wrote today's business, so you knew we were on the last one. And, you and didn't, I didn't have the book. You didn't know, have the book ready. And then with awkward pause, and then you read the sponsorship. And one of these days you're going to learn. Who's that? your favorite fat old pitcher? Bartolo Colon. Fernando? <laughs> Had to be my favorite, one of my favorite. Some might fat. say Cece. Yeah, he's a fat Cece, old guy. Yeah, yeah. But David Wells but is C- a good fat old on, guy. But Cece went the opposite way. Cece has lost weight with age, not gained it, <laughs> which is just weird. Did I burn enough time for you to do your I, job? I had the book. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Every day, Paulie, we deal with this. Every day. That was when I go to your fat old guy poll. It's a kind of <laughs> time killer. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman Saint Morsi. <laughs> Steve's just shaking his head. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. Just in case Max is legitimately sick, are you in tomorrow? Can you be on standby? I'm here every day. Can I'm you be on standby just I don't in call case? it sick ever. I'm the Cal Ripken of... Bad radio. <laughs> you did a good job today. You weren't just fine. You were good. Thank you. All right. Hopefully we do it again tomorrow. Reading the, the crappy questions <laughs> I, I wrote for you. <laughs> <laughs>